Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tonight, as homicides spike in our cities, Joe Biden has a plan. He wants to go after your guns, not the criminals. We'll let you know how worried you should be about your gun rights. And the Loudoun County School Board meeting abruptly ended when leftist board members shut it down and sent in the police to clear out the parents. We have a Loudoun County resident on the show tonight. Don't miss that. And over at CNN, Jeffrey Tubin strikes again. He kept his pants on this time, but you won't believe the words that came out of his mouth. We're going to show you all of that and more tonight on Dr. Gina Primetime. Good evening, this is Primetime, and I'm Dr. Gina. The homicide epidemic is real, but don't worry, Joe Biden is going to ride in with federal agents to save your day. The National Fraternal Order of Police posted some very disturbing homicide statistics on their Twitter account. You can see the most dangerous Democrat-run cities and the percent increases in homicides over the past two years. We see Minneapolis and Portland with numbers that look like math errors. And in the 21st century, you wouldn't think that the homicide rate could possibly jump by 100% in one city, let alone over 500%. But Democrat mayors are able to achieve mathematical impossibilities nearly every day in crime and in voter turnout when you think about it. But as I said, don't worry. Biden plans to tackle homicide rising rates by going after your guns, not after the criminals, but after your guns, the inanimate objects being used by criminals. Biden is sending, uh, sending out DOJ task forces across America to track down guns, but where is the fast track force to track down the actual murderers who shot and killed the Puerto Rican couple, for example, in Chicago just a few days ago? Where are the task forces to head to the streets of our cities to stop the knife attacks and the sucker punch attacks that are happening? I'll tell you where they are. They aren't coming. The Biden administration does not want to stop inner city crime. As I said on the show last night, they are thriving off of it. They gain power every time another life is shattered. And it's a horrible thing to say, but it's a more horrible thing to do. Democrats gain power every time a family is broken and they become dependent on the governor, government. And hopefully Biden doesn't put Kamala in charge of the crime in our cities because she sure doesn't know what to do about the border. Although today, Kamala finally buckled under the pressure, that's you, and announced that she is going to head to the border. I frankly won't believe it till I see it. And the spin, you know, will make us all dizzy. All right, coming up, we will talk more about the Biden administration plan to come after your guns. And we'll talk to a Loudoun County parent about this school board meeting that ended in arrests. That wild story is not next. Also, we have some very interesting insight from somebody who knows the truth about these shots and what they are doing to our teenagers. All of these wild stories up next right here on Dr. Jim Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? 
good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And welcome back. Last night's Loudoun County, Virginia school board meeting made international headlines when angry residents and parents were told to shut up and leave the meeting. Critical race theory was what was the topic of discussion, and the meeting was shut down after only hearing from a fraction of the concerned people who wanted to speak to address the meeting. Police were brought in to remove those who would not leave, and believe it or not, people were arrested for expressing their First Amendment rights. And even though this looks like something that would only happen in a third world or communist country, this was last night in Virginia in the United States. Ron Meyer is the former Loudoun County supervisor and a parent also in that county. And he joins us now. Ron, great to see you. Ron, I did not realize that elected school board members could shut down a meeting when parents don't say what they want them to. And I definitely didn't expect to see the police come in, drag people out of the meeting and have them arrested. I can't believe this is America. I'm shocked. Were you shocked? Well, yeah, I think it's natural to be shocked when when we have 250 people signed up for public comment and only a few of them get to speak. And basically the reason for ending the public comment was that people were too fired up and, and too passionate about what they were talking about. This, I mean, this is America. Obviously, First Amendment and public comment is something that's intrinsic, not only in America, but in Virginia. We have required public comment for, for most of our meetings. When I was on the Board of Supervisors, not on the school board, uh, which, is, which was below us, you know, we had public comment at every meeting. And restricting it or closing it off has to be some really bizarre circumstances, not just because people are being loud or saying basically what you don't want them to say. And I think it sets a really terrible precedent uh, for the future. And, you know, not only it's here's the thing, it's not only the Democrats on the school board that voted for it. There's a Republican running for Congress who voted to shut down the discussion, too. And I just think that this school board needs a, a really big reset and uh, to reset their priorities on making sure that we're listening and trying to build collaboration. And instead, I think they're just trying to uh, foster more division. It seems so. And I don't understand how you can just shut down debate like that um, when it seems like these were concerned citizens. They certainly weren't acting violent. There were no pitchforks involved or anything like that. No. Um, is this something that has been happening in other places or is this an isolated incident? Well, there's been a lot of uh, school board meetings in Northern Virginia in particular, but obviously in Loudoun that have been loud and passionate. And the funny thing is, is that not only are we talking about shutting down public comment, I mean, a lot of times these comments, you're only allowed to speak for 60 seconds anyway. It's just 60 seconds. Each parent gets 60 seconds. Each citizen gets 60 seconds to speak. We're not talking about three minutes or five minutes like normal. And so this, this, uh, this trend of restricting and limiting public comment, I find is really troubling. And really, I think it, it goes to this problem with social media, too, where we're, where we're not able to talk to each other in a civil manner. And I think we've got to get past this. We have to figure out a way to work through some of these tough issues and be able to discuss them, not just shut things down when you disagree with people. And I think that's the big problem with this school board here in Loudoun County is that they're really only listening to one side. And we need to listen to both sides and work on solutions that can work for our whole community. So what, what are your predictions here, Ron? What's going to happen with this? 
Well, I think what's going to happen, I mean, one of the other big topics last night was the uh, transgendered students policy. And the way this school board sees it is that basically the state mandated one type of policy and they're going to have to adopt it. So I think that, that policy is going to get adopted. Um, and, and, you know, whether or not that state mandate should be there, I think, is a topic of conversation. I do think the school board has more discretion than what they're talking about. As far as the critical race theory issues, you know, this, this board is a 7-2 Democratic majority. And I think that they're going to continue going on the path that they're going. And I, and I see that, you know, people who are opposed to it are going to have to continue being loud to see any reforms. And we, what we really have to hope for is that teachers and principals and, uh, and parent teacher, you know, parent teachers together work together with these individual schools to stop this. And luckily, in Loudoun and in Virginia as a whole, each, each school has a little bit of its own discretion. And I think we have to keep it that way to make sure that, you know, for example, that I want to send my kids to a school where I live right across the street from. And really, our family's having second thoughts of if we want to send our kids to the public school that literally we live across the street from. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why people move to Loudoun County, move to these school districts. And now we're having to look at homeschooling. We're having to look at private schools. Uh, well, meanwhile, we have some of the highest taxes in the country paying for these schools. And, and I can see why people are pretty fed up about this. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will resort to their alternatives. And I'm not sure that's an altogether bad idea when you have school boards that are behaving this way anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, breaking later this afternoon, I, and I'm throwing you a curveball here because you didn't know I was going to ask this, but uh, the bridge over 295, um, one of the main highways in Washington, D.C., collapsed later this afternoon. Um, I'm wondering what you know about that and if you have any updates on that. And again, I just totally threw you a curveball, but I just uh, wanted to get an update on that if you knew anything about it. Yeah, 295 is, is a bridge that basically is a main pathway from Maryland into D.C. And, uh, and it is one of the older crumbling infrastructure bridges that we have. And so I'm not all that surprised to see it. I hope everybody's OK. Uh, but it does go to show that really in this region, like many regions in the country, we really need to be investing in real infrastructure. Right. We've been talking about an infrastructure bill where one side has been calling all these random spending problems infrastructure. No, we need investment in real infrastructure, which is roads yeah. and bridges. It's for the safety of our community. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that D.C. wants statehood, and uh, you see things like this happening, and, and your comment about infrastructure point on. Thank you so much, Ron Meyer. We appreciate you for your time tonight. Uh, God bless you, your family, and your precious children. Uh, in a district like this, we just uh, hate to see this kind of thing going on, and, and especially free expression being shut down. The debate's great, but it should come from all sides. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Dr. Gina. Talk to you soon. All right. And we have another Biden border crisis update. First, I can't even talk about the border crisis today without taking a moment to thank God for our amazing border correspondent, whom we all love, Ben Burkwam, and his beautiful wife, Vili, who were in an accident yesterday and need our prayers. Thankfully, they will be okay, but it will be a journey for them, and it's a great reminder just how fragile life is and how merciful God can be in moments where things could go so differently. We pray swift and total healing for them, and I know that our audience wants to join us in that prayer, so that's why I bring it up to you tonight. Also, the Biden administration making another really, really bad move in our immigration policy. If an immigrant was denied asylum in court during the Trump administration, Biden has now announced that they should come back and try again. And this time, instead of waiting in Mexico, 
just come and stay in the USA at our expense. Someone who's fired up about this is Congressman Paul Gosar from Arizona. Congressman, great to see you. You, Dr. London. Uh, tell me, Congressman, what is Biden thinking when changing our immigration policies in ways that will absolutely hurt these United States of America? How is it helpful to burden our courts yet again with cases that were already decided where people were denied, denied asylum. This has been, been decided. I can't for the life of me understand how we have time to do this when we have hundreds of thousands of illegals pouring across our borders and some of them are criminals, some of them are terrorists, many of them are drug dealers. We have women being raped, children being drowned in the rivers. I, I just, this is mind boggling to me. Please help me understand. So this is all about power. You know, uh, you saw in the, the previous election in 16, that the Democrats lost their base to uh, Donald Trump. So this is all about power and control of the United States. Uh, they need that base that is victims and that are dependent upon the federal government. That is what is at stake here. And it's very simply put, we've given operational control of the border to the cartels and you're not crossing that border unless uh, they give you permission. And the numbers are staggering, Dr. Loudon. Um, if they're intercepting 180,000 people in May or in June, or May, I say, take that back. If they're getting every, one out of every two, which is highly unlikely, that means 360,000 people came across our southern border just uh, in last month. Those are staggering numbers. And it seems to me like they're doing very little to actually help the problem. They're mostly doing things that seem to exacerbate the problem. And it seems to me that it's time to demote Kamala Harris from her appointed role of border czar. What say you? Oh, we've been saying this from day one. You know, she laughed at the thought about actually coming to the border. Oh my God, that's a laughable matter. It's not laughable yeah. in my state. It's not laughable in the rest of the United States. Because if everybody thinks it's just a border crisis issue, this is an American issue because these people are coming to a town near you. They're given bus yeah. tickets, a plane ticket to wherever they want to go. So that's what, this is what's happening here. Uh, uh, she's been a, a, an absolute uh, bomb wreck in this regards to immigration. So we want to see her fired. I, I see today that they're making arrangements for her to come to the border now, uh, 91 days later. You know, it, uh, it's sad. It's really sad. And, and the problem just gets worse. And meanwhile, we have veterans, I always like to remind, who are homeless on the streets of America, who served and fought for our country, who aren't getting free hotels, aren't getting free travel anywhere, aren't getting free anything that these non-Americans seem to be, you know, to have at their fingertips whenever they want. And if it's not good enough, if they're denied asylum by our own court system, now they get to come back and do it all over again. I have to ask you about the Arizona audit, shifting gears for a moment, mm -hmm. that's going on right now. The mainstream media is really scared about what will be found. That's so obvious. Yep. Um, here's a little bit of what they've been saying. This week sees Arizona bracing for potential violence as that group of so-called ballot auditors wraps up their so-called work. And in Georgia, a version of that kind of sham audit is right now in front of a judge. To another bogus charade, the sham audit 
in Arizona. The sham audit in Arizona. Conducting a sham audit. Arizona sham election audit. And that sham audit in Arizona. The sham audit in Arizona. The sham audit. The sham audit. Will Pennsylvania be the next state to launch a sham election audit? The sham audit of 2.1 million ballots. Arizona sham audit. Republicans push for more sham audits. That includes directly addressing the sham audit. In Arizona, in the sham audit. As we approach the end of this sham audit. The sham audit audit, quote unquote, in Arizona. This is a sham. This sham audit. They had a sham hearing. Your comments. Well, you know, we're going back to Olinsky's Rules for Radicals, you know, trying to label something that was a, a, a perfect softball. We've had problems in our elections in prior elections. So this was a great way of transparency to make sure that when I make cast up ballot, it goes to the right person. And don't take it from me. You know, I, I tell your audience, go watch this movie called Kill Chain. It's actually produced by the Democrats. And it actually shows you the problems with Dominion and, and the, the votes uh, from 2016. So from that standpoint, what's it called again, uh, Representative, what's it called again? It's called Kill Chain. It's only a, a, you can only get it at HBO. And if you want to find out all about Dominion office or Dominion voting machines, it's don't take my word for me. Call me a liar. Go back and then watch this movie. You will watch it three to four times and you'll be incensed. This isn't a sham audit. We knew there were there was problems. I mean, a four, three uh, percent error rate in 100 uh, random uh, duplicate ballots, which represented over 90,000 ballots in just Maricopa County alone. Uh, experts in, in fraud pointing to 400 to 600,000 alteration, alterations of votes. These aren't these are not hearsay. These are facts. And from the standpoint, when you look at uh, detailing uh, addresses for uh, verified voters and you have a 462 uh, fraudulent out of a thousand, these are real numbers. These are real numbers. And I want everybody to know that this isn't just the presidential race they're auditing. They're also auditing the U.S. Senate race in Arizona. We want to make sure that we know what happened here, if there was any problems and how do we rectify that. And uh, if, you, if you're not worried about it, why would you bring up sham audit? Maybe we should start saying it was a sham election. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting to me why you would even call it a sham audit, because if it were a sham audit, why would Republicans insist upon it? And, um, and if it isn't a sham audit, then why wouldn't Democrats insist upon it so it could verify everything that they say is legitimate? So it makes no sense at all. Anyway, I agree. I agree. Get the audit, get the results, and, and, and make sure that we do it right. That's right. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for your fight. We appreciate you being here. Thanks, Dr. Lawton. <laughs> Now that we have an update on the Arizona audit, we want to check in with our own Heather Mullins, who is in Georgia there, as the courts are deciding the fate of the audit there. Heather, great to see you. Great to see you too, Gina. Heather, tell us what's happening there, as well as your very disturbing story that you've been reporting about a foreign citizen of Nigeria who was mm -hmm. working for Dominion in the Fulton County, Georgia. Yeah, absolutely, Gina. And it's funny that the congressman there just brought up that documentary, Kill Chain. Uh, it actually featured Harry Hursty, who I met uh, covering the New Hampshire audit. And in that documentary, he specifically talks about, you know, the potential for foreign influence on things like voting machines in our country. Uh, so with, with that in mind, the story that you're referring to that I just broke here in Georgia uh, is that basically the Dominion technician in Fulton County, the very county this lawsuit uh, seeks to unseal ballots and audit them in, uh, the Dominion technician there is actually a Nigerian citizen named Dominic Olomo, 
And uh, this I found out by reading a 178-page deposition uh, document from a case that the Secretary of State was a party in. Right. So Brad Raffensperger knows that a Nigerian citizen was basically managing the EMS server in Fulton County for Dominion. Now, Gina, this is this is insane because of the fact that, one, we have Georgia Tech here. Right. We have tons of American citizens with the same capability to do this exact job. So why is Dominion contracting with foreign citizens and giving them access to our voting equipment and our servers. I mean, it, it's unheard of. If this had happened back in 2016 and the Democrats found that a Russian citizen, you know, was running Dominion in, in a county that Trump had won, they'd lose their mind, Gina. So why is this okay now? You're absolutely right. And Heather, we know you'll stay on top of all of that. We always appreciate your updates and your mad skills at reporting. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Gina. Coming up, the DOJ is sending out task forces across America to track down where criminals are getting their guns. But will that lead them to crack down on legal gun owners and gun shops? Former Congressman Bob Barr ringing the alarm bell for us, and he's here up next on Dr. Gina Fanta. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back. Now, as homicides spike in America, Joe Biden has come up with a plan. He says, let's go after the guns. Biden has tasked the DOJ with heading to some of the worst cities in America and figuring out where the guns are coming from. And make no mistake, they are not going after the criminals who use the guns to kill people. They're going to go after gun shops and legal gun owners. Joining us now is Liberty Guard chairman and former Georgia congressman, Bob Barr. Uh, Mr. Barr, it's great to see you, and I know that you also serve on the board of the NRA, and I think that's an important credential as well. Um, I know that when the DOJ is under a Democrat president, um, you know, they are dispatched to take care of gun crimes, and that actually means that they are probably coming after us, frankly. Is that what you suspect? What they're doing is their usual M.O., they blame the gun, not the criminal. The fact of the matter is that crime is up in a lot of major cities across the country, violent crime, crimes involving firearms, but going after gun retailers, that is uh, federal firearms licensees that, who are regulated by the government, and going after lawful gun owners uh, is not addressing the problem whatsoever. What they are doing is they are simply scapegoating lawful gun owners and law-abiding firearms retailers for the problem that they are refusing to address, which is violent crime in cities across America because of poor leadership. 
Absolutely. And I'm sure that this means gun control bills will be coming our way because, of course, when you further regulate the law abiding, that always keeps the non-law abiding from committing crimes, right? Yeah, it always does. It follows, it follows logically. You know, you go after lawful yeah. gun owners and by golly, that will solve the problem of the criminals. Right. Yeah, it's very frustrating. What do you see coming our way? What do you think they will come after this time? What, what the president seems to be doing this time, which is a little bit different from how they normally do it, he seems to be focusing on the lawful gun retailers and putting in place what he calls a zero tolerance uh, program. Well, the fact of the matter is lawful firearms retailers or FFLs comply with dozens, if not hundreds, of federal laws and regulations already. And going to a federal firearms licensee or a, fire, a large firearms retailer and pouring over their books and forms and saying, aha, we got you, there's a violation of a paperwork administrative law, uh, we're going to try and close you down, is nonsensical. Uh, but that seems to be in what the government, the, what the president is saying, their approach, which will do absolutely nothing except make it harder for law abiding retailers to work with the government and to work with law abiding gun owners. It will do nothing whatsoever to solve the problem of violent crime. And this is all, of course, instead of enhancing our police departments which they've cut drastically and forced so many retirements that uh the you know the crime rates are going up uh, exponentially um this is instead of doing anything about the do nothing inner city democrat politicians who let crime flourish in their neighborhoods and uh, promote policies that break up families which also leads to criminal activity and deaths in our streets i mean there are so many things they are doing to exacerbate the problem of deaths that are caused by humans using whatever weapons they happen to have at their disposal and they will continue to commit those crimes with whatever weapons they have at their disposal and by the way of course then you take away the accessibility of law-abiding citizens to protect themselves and or their communities with the weapons that they might get from these FFAs and you leave whole societies vulnerable to mass killings. So this is what the Democrats are really doing is creating more death, more chaos, more terror in, in America. That's really what they're doing. I mean, you can't put this, you can't sugarcoat this, can you? Uh, if you want the truth, no, you can't. Uh, but of course, the Biden administration is not interested in the truth. Uh, the president will send his uh, press spokesman, uh, Jen Psaki, out there, and she will say, oh, there's more crime because there's more gun crime. Uh, in other words, there's more crime because there's more crime. They are not interested in solving the problem, and you put your finger on the real danger here, and that is by these federal policies and their support of these local and state politicians uh, who are, have failed miserably, by doing what they're doing, the administration is not only not solving the problem, they're making it worse. Uh, and yet going after lawful firearms retailers for paperwork violations, for example, will simply 
exacerbate the problem, make it even worse. It just is going to get worse and worse and worse because of this administration's refusal to, one, recognize the problem, and two, take some real steps to go after the criminals. Well, Congressman Barr, you're clearly one of those Walmart shopping, gun-toting crazies out there who doesn't understand the logic of Jen Psaki when all the problems can be related to racism, climate change, and inanimate objects like guns that go around killing people without humans having anything to do with it, let alone Democrats. So, uh, oh, Congressman, I just, it's, it's getting to a point where the crazy is beyond description, isn't it? It, it is. It is hard, it's hard to recognize or to realize that this is the United States of America with a United States president making these statements and putting in place these nonsensical, harmful policies. Yeah. We need to, we need to enforce history, math, science, and logic. Congressman Barr, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your wisdom on this. It's always a pleasure. All right, Twitter continues to crack down on those who sound the alarm on the risks of the COVID shot. Twitter locked the account of the news site National File for reporting the real news story about a 13-year-old boy who died after getting the shot. Twitter user Tammy Barajas sounded the alarm about her nephew's sudden death after the COVID shot and uh, has now deleted her tweet that started this entire controversy. She posted this, I have deleted a tweet thread about the sudden death of my nephew following his second COVID shot. Fox News and other far-right disinformation networks are politicizing the death and using my tweet to do it. They are causing my family more pain. She also tweeted this in a reply to someone asking her if they should vaccinate their young daughter. She said, I would definitely still get her vaccinated. If I hadn't already vaccinated my 14-year-old, I would still do it. But especially for boys, I would monitor heart rate very frequently for the following week. I would even get up in the middle of the night to do it. So... She's afraid of the COVID shot, that she would monitor a child all night long if they got it. But she still says that all children should get it, even though, according to the statistics I'm reading, the death rate of those children who get the COVID shot is significantly higher, I believe up to 50 times at this point, and this is probably very underreported, that of actually getting COVID. Dr. Jane Ruby has over 20 years of experience in pharmaceutical drug development, and she joins us now. Good to see you, Dr. Ruby. Dr. Gina. Doctor, I would bet that Tammy Barajas knows zero young people who died of contracting COVID, but she has one of her own family members who, have, who has died now of the vaccine. I cannot understand how the, the cognitive dissonance in people right now is is astonishing, really, isn't it? The psychological things that are happening inside of people's brains to help them to condone the actions of a government cover-up, which is what this is looking more and more like. Uh, how this is not a wake-up call, I don't get it. This is a big concern, Dr. Gina. Uh, there is a push worldwide to get these injections into everybody, uh, pregnant women, healthy children, babies. It's astounding to me. Um, what we might be seeing with this woman is something like Stockholm syndrome, where she's either you know, sympathetic uh, because she's on, she's dr has drank the Kool-Aid and she can't peel herself away from it in spite of the fact that she's lost a family member. I'm a little surprised myself that she would be so upset and pull the tweet 
because people were expressing their concern to her. Uh, so I think she had something else in mind. Who knows? Very strange situation. It, it really is very strange. And, you know, when you look over uh, the whole demographic of the left um, and the way that they went about the whole COVID virus, it shouldn't really surprise us now that this uh, psychosis, I'm going to call it, of a, a much a huge segment of our society, a broad segment, is, is really getting the better of them. Um, I want to talk, I want to get right down to the science of this, the spiked proteins. I see you mention that in uh, a lot of your posts, and it's confusing for most of us to understand what exactly is a spiked pro spike protein and why is it dangerous? Sure. These um, shots that are being perpetrated all over the planet are not vaccines. We, we have to establish that first and foremost. Vaccines confer immunity. Uh, the, they confer a surveillance and protection going forward against viruses and bacteria. These shots are not anything like that. They are literally in a messenger RNA code that tells your body, directs your body to use its internal machinery to develop these spike proteins. Originally, spike proteins are on the outside of coronaviruses, and normally they do have a, a role to play, but they're not so toxic and pathogenic. These particular spike proteins that are encoded, forcing your body to make them in the billions, by the way, also have a lipid nanoparticle envelope that allows them to get through most of the natural barriers in the body, including probably one of the most famous ones, the blood-brain barrier. Uh, and this is very dangerous because it gets into every cell in your body and it starts to replicate. It's irreversible as far as we know. Uh, these spike proteins, I've said often, are the bioweapon. Uh, these things multiplying in your body um, are very dangerous. And the types of things we're seeing, like this myocarditis, cardiac death in young people, these are presenting to hospitals and emergency care centers. Uh, and the interesting thing is, Dr. Gina, they're not responding to traditional cardiac approaches that are very appropriate and standard. Uh, and the testing is coming up negative. It's just very odd and very strange. Um, it's still unfolding. We're still learning more about it. And you have photos of uh, the side-by-sides of a normal-sized heart and an enlarged heart. This is something that we're finding a lot. We're playing that in our B-rolls. This is something that we're finding a lot in, um, in uh, our, our children, our young boys. Um, sure. But there's also the issue of shedding that I want to get to. Because a lot of people who have not had the shot, who have or have not actually had COVID, are coming down with this sort of COVID-like symptoms, right? And some people are mistaking it for a second bout of COVID, which is actually mm -hmm. almost unrecorded ever. You just don't get COVID twice from most of the doctors that we've had and interviewed on this program and most of the research that I've done looking at peer-reviewed studies by doctors saying that getting COVID twice is just really not something that is recorded where it's actually been recorded two times by a doctor in a clinic uh, where it was validated and legitimized. Mm -hmm. um, so, so this, so this shedding that's happening within 48 hours is my understanding. I want you to correct me on anything I'm saying that's not right. Again, I'm trying to give you the facts that I've gotten deduced from programs sure. that I've hosted or things that I've read um, happens usually within 48 hours of someone else getting the vaccine, then you are around them. So for example, you get on an airplane, an airline stewardess has had a vaccine, excuse me, a shot. You're right. It's not a vaccine because that infers immunization and this doesn't, this is an experimental shot. Um, and they are shedding um, at this point, these spike proteins, if I understand correctly. 
you can come down with something that is quite serious. I myself had it, several other people have had it, and it feels a lot like COVID can last weeks and can have pretty serious consequences. Talk to us about that and how we keep our family safe. I wanna add one more thing to that. We had um, Layla Sintner from Sintner School down here in Miami. Um, on our show to talk about how she doesn't allow their teachers in her school to get the shot because she doesn't want the teachers shedding on the other teachers or on the students, especially in her school and making them sick. Um, this is the only school I know of who's had this policy, but I think it's very, very um, astute of her until we have more information about what this shedding is, what the long-term effects are and so on and so forth, um, not to experiment with children's lives. And that's really what we're talking about here, Dr. Ruby. Yes, and you, you hit on something very important. We really don't know. We have to err on the side of caution. This shedding phenomenon, uh, more um, frequently called transmission in medical circles, is something uh, that can't be denied because I literally get literally hundreds of proton mail uh, mails every day from people telling me about experiences where either their spouse got it and they didn't and they're sick when they're around them. I don't know about the 48 hour. Maybe that's just how it's being reported. Uh, but we have to stay open to everything right now. We do know that something and we believe something's being transmitted. In fact, Pfizer itself put out a document. I'm not sure they put it out. It might have been leaked. But they actually talk about concerns uh, between husbands and wives or partners uh, that where the wife could be pregnant if the husband has been he could be exposed if she's gotten the injection so they they know they're not telling us everything but they certainly know that something is being transferred now one preclinical study recently just showed that there was a tremendous amount of spike proteins and their breakdown their particles bits and pieces of them in the billions in in the uh in feces so what we're you know science isn't always pretty but what we're trying to tell people now is based on that the most conservative action is if you have a a, a person in the home who's gotten the injection until we know more if you have two bathrooms use them exclusively uh, don't go into public bathrooms where other people are flushing multiple in multiple stalls I don't know if it's a fecal aerosolization situation but it sure sounds like there might be a risk of transmitting somehow through that mechanism but the spikes were also found in other body fluids like saliva uh, and and urine and things like that so it's still unfolding dr. Gina we, we just don't know enough yet uh, to, to say for sure what's happening and how it's happening in order to protect well, each we, other. But just be conservative. We sure seem to have a lot of time to, to make sure we recorded every sort of halfway kind of COVID case. I just don't understand why they're not doing research on these things, Dr. Ruby, especially on our children where they are impacted. Oh this is just, this is, this is straight out of Nazi Germany. I cannot understand it for the life of me. I could keep you on for hours, Dr. Jane, but I just, I want to tell people tomorrow morning, uh, you and Dr. Dr. Tenpenny will be conducting a podcast. Tell us about that quickly. Yes, I was invited um, by Dr. Tenpenny to be on her podcast. So I'm looking forward to that, to speaking with her because she's been one of my mentors as well. But I was also uh, going to be right after that, we're going into a Zoom panel with uh, Dr. Dr. Merritt, Dr. Carrie Madej, uh, Dr. Northrup, Dr. Polevsky. These are uh, some great minds that have actually guided me along the way. I'm honored to be joining them after the podcast with Dr. Tenpenny and they've invited me to join their group. So I'm just grateful to God uh, to be able to get this 
this message out, if we can at least save children and babies. Uh, you know that Pfizer has requested the uh, emergency use authorization be expanded to p uh, babies two years old, uh, children up to 11. Uh, I'm petrified of this, and I just hope we can stop it. I do too. You know, I wish we could have saved our elderly. I think it's a travesty what's happened there. Um, but it'd be really nice if we could at least save our children. Dr. Ruby, thank you so much for being here and for the work you all are doing. And please thank all of your colleagues along those lines as well. Thank you, Dr. Gina. Coming up, some news you didn't know and a CNN meltdown that you do not want to miss. That's next, right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. There are places far from home. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And now it's time for some news that you didn't know. And here to help, as always, from our RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, is Jessica Rivera. Jessica, always great to see you. Likewise, Dr. Gina, and the president of the Philippines, is threatening people in his country that if they refuse to take the COVID-19 vaccine, he will either jail them or they will be given a shot of the anti-parasitic medicine ivermectin. Ivermectin is a drug usually used to treat animals with parasites like when dogs have heartworm. So when people hear this news, it sounds absolutely awful and inhumane. But Dr. Gina, maybe it's not. And I say that because today Oxford University came out saying they are testing ivermectin as a possible treatment for COVID-19. And so far, the medication has resulted in a reduction of the virus replicating itself in the lab, Oxford says. In a small study, when ivermectin was given early, it reduced the virus and its symptoms in patients with mild COVID-19. This small study has led Oxford to move on to a large-scale trial in the hopes it will result in more evidence that ivermectin is either beneficial or harmful in its use against COVID-19. But of course, Dr. Gina, the World Health Organization, Europe and the US governments are against the use of ivermectin for COVID-19, but it is currently being used in some places like India. So maybe, just maybe, those in the Philippines being given ivermectin may be better off in the future than those who have taken the very understudied and questionable COVID vaccine. Hmm. Yeah, and many are saying we shouldn't even be calling it a vaccine because it's a, an experimental shot. Interesting, Jessica, and I've looked into these studies on ivermectin as well, I appreciate it. It's something that I asked my doctor for a prescription for and keep in my closet at home in case anybody that I know uh, comes down uh, in my family with, um, with COVID. Um, although I think most of us have already had it and uh, made it through just fine with hydroxychloroquine, which also is something that our FDA didn't want us to take. But I got my hands on it because I wasn't going to let my family suffer. Jessica, thank you so much uh, for that. It's very interesting, but I agree with you about the ivermectin. It's a very interesting thing, and I think we should, uh, it, far less experimental, let's say, than the shot that most people are getting. You're absolutely right. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, the Democrats' so-called voting rights bill is dead upon arrival. No Republicans got on board. And since 60 votes were needed, that means that the states still have control of their elections, at least for the moment. CNN had quite a reaction to this. And to watch it with us is our own Amanda Head. Amanda, it's so great to see you. It's great to see you. Yeah, their, their heads exploded over this. And I have a few things to comment, but I'll wait till after the clip. 
Okay, all right. Amanda, CNN anchor uh, John Berman had uh, Berman rather had the one and only Jeffrey Tubin, who else, of course, uh, on to react to this. And Tubin, he did keep his pants on, Amanda, so we're not going to have to cover our eyes this time. So that's good. But here's how it went down. I mean, of course, Mitch McConnell likes the status quo because the status quo is Republican-led states rigging the system so Republicans can do better at this point. Well, you know, I, I, what I think is interesting is there are two big issues before Congress right now. There's infrastructure and there's voting rights. And infrastructure is sort of the classic, classic stuff of politics. You know, how much do you spend on roads and bridges? How do you pay for it? And that should be the stuff of compromise. The voting rights is very different. This is life or death for the democracy. Amanda, Republicans rigging the system, and uh, Tubin said that the bill that failed was life or death for democracy. <sighs> Your reaction? I, I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that it's life or death for the democracy, and especially as it pertains to the fact that we are not a pure democracy, we are a democratic republic, and that all-important republic aspect of it is the republicanism aspect of our founding fathers, and that was to leave a bulk of the responsibility and power on the shoulders of the state and local governments, and Democrats are trying to yank that away so that they can turn every election into California elections, which, Gina, you and I both know, after decades of a supermajority in Sacramento, Democrats have a very strong cling on this state, and I don't foresee that changing unless voter fraud gets under control. But Jamal Bowen, Bowman, a Democrat, said, if we deliver S-1, we maintain power in 2022. If we don't, we risk not being able to cheat. Just kidding. What he said is if we risk, if we don't, we risk losing power. That's what he actually said. But <laughs> he said that quiet yeah, part out loud because. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. For, for Democrats, they want to make it easier to cheat. For Republicans, they want to make it easier to vote, but harder to cheat. That That is when you boil it down to its most basic level, that is what this comes down to. And thank goodness Republicans stood strong. And I hope that even Democrats are looking at this and thinking this is bizarre. This is not the way this should ever be. States should have control. But then you have the risk of what's happening with the election audits and states, as as of now, still having control of that and, you know, then that, that spells very much trouble for Democrats. Life or death for Democrats, not democracy, Mr. Tu. Right. But anyway, who's, uh, who's keeping track of reality here? Because it certainly is not Mr. Tubin. But at least he kept his pants on this time, Amanda. We have to be thankful for that. Yeah, I don't know anyone who could be who who could do something so voyeuristic and exhibitionist and be rehabilitated and folded back into the programming of a network. If this was a conservative, there's no way that would fly. Yeah, no, not at all. All right, I got to ask you quickly about uh, what's happening in California. We're hearing a lot about Caitlyn Jenner these days. Is anybody else going to jump in? Are you asking for insider information? Because I can't tell you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm hearing rumors about Larry Elder. Is that happening? I, I have heard that as well. And I have actually hoped that for a long time. He's, he's the sage of South Central. He has a lot of clout across the state, especially among conservatives and Republicans, as his longtime show has aired on, I believe it's AM870 here in Los Angeles and across the state. And he's fantastic. He's a powerhouse. He is uh, absolutely brilliant. But I, I always just 
there's something about going from media into an elected office that, and yeah. maybe maybe this is something I have to reform about myself because that's kind of a rhino mentality that if you're in the media, you can't run for office and maybe that's something that is changing. And if that's the case, then I, I folks like, you know, Tudor Dixon yeah, yeah, and Larry say, Elder go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think media is necessarily a no, but my comment back to the person that asked me if I thought that he should run was he better have a lot of money and it better be his own money, like Trump kind of money that he knows where it's coming from, because uh, otherwise I don't see how you do it. That's the thing that Caitlyn Jenner has is a lot of money. And if Larry Elder, I don't know his personal wealth, I don't know his access to wealth, um, but you've got to have a lot of money. It's just the reality today, especially to beat the system in California. All right, Amanda, I don't want to run out of time. It's time for our meme of the day. All right, we see an Amish man here saying, remember the plague that wiped out the Amish because they don't vaccinate their children? Yeah, me either. Amanda, you'd think the Amish would be extinct by now, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. You, look, I watched a documentary about the Amish people not long ago, and I learned a lot about them. Number one being they don't vaccinate their children. Number two, they have something called rumspringa, which at 16 years old, kids are allowed to leave and go experience the outside world and then decide for themselves if they want to return to the Amish community. This sounds like something that Democrats would do. They also don't baptize uh, children. They wait until they are an adult so that they can make a sound decision on their own. Interesting. Uh, and, Interesting. Yeah. And they have a lot of babies. They're doing a lot of things right. They do have a lot of babies. not getting vaccines. Amanda, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you all for joining me every night. And to everyone here at your new home for Real News, Real America's Voice. And we have one of the men who was arrested at the Loudoun County School Board meeting here tomorrow night. And until then, hug your children, love your God, go boldly now, and live the truth. Good night, everyone. <laughs>